0: Welcome to the Truth Hurts program. I'm your host, Steve Z. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize in advance if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Please enjoy the program.
1: Steve Z and the Truth Hurts
0: program. Instead of hiring more capital Police officers, the Democrats should consider hiring more firemen, more firefighters, to put out all the pants on fire currently running around Washington, D.C. Case in point, Alexandria Ocasio Horseface Cortez. In an article I just read at Red State, AOC was not even at the Capitol building during her so-called near-death experience. According to an article by Nick Arama, dated today, it says we've reported various aspects of the account of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Horseface Cortez, Democrat of New York, of what happened to her on January 6th during the breach at the Capitol But there are some very critical facts that have emerged and that have been missing from her story. The story, as it was initially related by AOC, suggested that she was about to be assassinated by rioters in her office in a video that has now been viewed over six million times.
2: And I just hear, where is she? Where is she? And um, this was the moment where I thought everything was over. Um, And the weird thing about moments like these is that you lose all sense of time. In retrospect, um, maybe it was four seconds, maybe it was five seconds, maybe it was 10 seconds, maybe it was one second, I don't know. It felt like my brain was able to have so many thoughts in that moment um, between these screams and these yells of where is she, where is she? And so I go down and I just, I mean, I thought I was going to die. Um, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts. You have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I think when you're in a situation like that. Um, and like also one of those thoughts that I had was, you know, I just happened to you know, be a spiritual person and be raised in that context. And I really just felt like, you know, if this is the plan for me, um, then people will be able to take it from here. Um, I had a lot of thoughts, but that was the thought that I had about you all. Um, I felt that, if this was the journey that my life was taking,
0: that I felt that things were going to be okay. And the award for the most dramatic lie of the week goes to Alexandria Ocasio Horseface Cortez. Because as it turns out, you will learn, she was not even in the Capitol building when the Capitol building was supposedly stormed. Ocasio-Cortez said rioters actually entered her office, forcing her to take refuge inside her bathroom. After her legislative director, Geraldo Bania Chavez told her to hide, hide, run and hide. And so I run back to my office, she said. I slam my door and you heard the rest. As it turns out, however, as many have now learned, AOC said in her Instagram drama that the person who came to her office was a Capitol Police officer. She denigrated the officer who came to help, claiming, quote, he didn't feel right, unquote, and that he was looking at her in, quote, all this anger and hostility, unquote. Her staffer reportedly wondered if he would have to fight the officer and suggested that he might put them in a, quote, vulnerable situation. Take a listen.
2: There was no partner, was not yelling, you know, Capitol Police, etc., etc. But then what, but then it didn't feel right um, because he was looking at me with a tremendous amount of anger and hostility, and um, things weren't adding up. Like there was no partner there, and there was no one was yelling. He wasn't yelling like, "This is Capitol Police, this is Capitol Police." And he was looking at me in all of this anger and, and hostility, and at first, you know, in, in my brain and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I just came from this super intense experience just now. Maybe I'm reading into this, right? Like maybe I'm projecting, um, maybe I'm projecting like something onto him that, that like, maybe I'm just seeing anger, but maybe he's not trying to be angry. Um, but I talked to G my legislative director after the fact, and he said, no, I didn't know if he was there to help us or hurt us either. And um, and G was actually like, th- this man came with so much hostility that um, that G was sizing him up and didn't know if he was going to have to fight him. Like, that is how, that is how, like, aggressive like, the like, situation like, was like, in like, that like, moment. Like and we couldn't even tell, we couldn't read if, like, this was a good situation or a bad situation um it was so like you know like so many other communities in this country like just that presence doesn't necessarily give you a clear signal if you're safe or not and so the situation did not feel okay and then he just looks at me and yells at me and he just goes go down and then go to this other building um I'm not gonna like name the specific building, but he basically says, go down and go to this building. But he just says the name of the building, doesn't say anything else. But we're so rattled.
0: (laughs) Okay, so now you have part two of the drama queen's lie. Basically this is a story about hyping the danger to the members of Congress and trying to save people still have to fear the inconsiderate and uncaring, rude, and aggressive police, even though they were coming to help you. She's even being called out by folks on the left now for her effort to demonize the police officer as well as Senator Ted Cruz. But a most important thing to note is the one important thing that seems to have been left out of the entire story. Alexandria Ocasio Horseface Cortez was not even in the Capitol building where all the action was going down. If she was in her office, she was not in the Capitol. She was in the Cannon building, which is nearby, but a different building from the Capitol altogether. Those of you who know me, know that I have worked for several years in our nation's capital. I am intimately familiar with the federal buildings. She was not in the capital when the breach, the riot, the whatever was going on. But of course, many people who have never been there, never seen a map, would not know this. And they would just assume that AOC was in the capital building. According to Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, who has an office in the same hallway of the same cannon building as Cortez, two doors away, in fact. According to Representative Mace, there were never any rioters in their hall. There was never any physical danger from rioters coming in at any point. In fact, Representative Mace sent out a tweet. At AOC made clear she didn't know who was at her door. Breathless attempts by media to fan fictitious news, flames are dangerous. My office is two doors down. Insurrectionists never stormed our hallway. Egregious does not even begin to cover it. Is there nothing the mainstream media won't politicize? AOC's building was briefly evacuated at one point in the day as police checked on a nearby suspicious package that was cleared by police. So AOC's so-called near-death experience was simply an overreaction to a Capitol Police officer doing his job, knocking on her door in order to direct her to the Longworth building, another building which is not the Capitol. And there is where she went. And there is where she stayed in the office of Representative Katie Porter, a Democrat from California. It was in that, the Longworth building, where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sat. Towering in an office. Instead of thanking the officer, she paints him as somehow a possible danger of which she is to be afraid. You heard the implied racism. The Capitol Police were likely trying to evacuate the building quickly. It's possible that the officer was focused on getting out people quickly, so he didn't have time for all of the niceties and the please Ms. Cortez come with me. During an emergency situation, Ms. Cortez, the officers necessarily do not have a partner with them. They fan out and they start their jobs individually. Alexandria Ocasio Horseface Cortez in those two audio clips sounds more like a fifth grade girl crying wolf a little fifth grade drama queen trying to call attention like to herself, like, and you know, like, I just like didn't like know and like this guy was like, so like, like, you know, like, like aggressive and like, I was like, you know, not like sure. And um, now that I'm being caught in my like lie, uh, like that I was scared for my like life in the Capitol, like, and I wasn't even really like there. Come on now, Miss Cortez
3: horsing around. We'll be right back. Introducing the all new 2021 Shandu Democrat, the ultimate transportation automobile for the active liberal. The new 2021 Shandu Democrat is a Chinese manufactured all electric car that runs on wind and solar only. So it does not pollute. Made from 100% recycled materials, including high strength plastic frame and axles, repurposed glass and seat covers made from donated clothing, the 2021 Shandu Democrat is the perfect vehicle for the liberal progressive lifestyle. And new for 2021, the COVID edition Shandu Democrat comes with five individual COVID mask hangers, UV light sanitizers, a pre-start COVID testing apparatus, and alcohol sanitizing dispensers located throughout the cabin. The 17 speaker sound system comes available only with CNN, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, ABC, CNBC, HLN, and of course, NPR. You'll never have to worry about hearing evil Republican commentary because we have blocked it all, permanently. No wind outside, cloudy day, dark of night? That's your problem. The 2021 Shandu Democrat will never use an ounce of petroleum or ever rely on electricity from the grid. The tires are made from actual rubber tree plants. So if it's dark and breeze-free, you can now sit on the side of the road and look at all that nature has to offer. Available in every color of the rainbow, except white, of course. The 2021 Shandu Democrat, coming to a Biden dealership near you. And it's aoc approved
0: and now a word from our sponsor maniacs maniacs riot pills and topical ointments are available at drug stores and drug dealers nationwide maniacs is
4: a new form of medication that alleviates worry and stress surrounding riots if you have a fear of riots at your state capitol or other public building The best way to alleviate those fears is to simply stay away from your state capital or other public buildings. But if you simply must be there, Maniacs from Squid Pharma may be just what the doctor ordered. Maniacs uses the highest dosage of stupidity allowed by law.
3: Side effects of attending riots in public buildings include facial swelling from baton hits, itchy, watery burning eyes from tear gas, severe bruising from rubber bullets, major bleeding from organs penetrated by real bullets, lacerations from broken glass, loss of hearing caused
5: by flashbang grenades, major aches and pains associated with being trampled, handcuffed, herded, and incarcerated. Some anal leakage has been noted from having a salad tossed in jail by a man named Bubba who just wants you to know what a real foot-long sausage feels like.
4: If you really, really must attend, a riot maniacs may be the right solution for you. If you can't afford your
3: prescription, Squid Pharma might be able to help. I doubt it, but they might. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yet here we are, making claims that this product is a panacea, a cure-all, and the end all be all of science and medical miracles. And here you are, believing all this crap. Just send us some money, so we can send you some sugar pills, snake oil, and a big old box of nothing. Thank you. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen,
4: your teller of truth, your facilitator of fact, your communicator of
0: common sense. Steve Z. Thank you very much. (laughs) The gropey Joe Biden pick for the Secretary of Education told a panel of congressional representatives via video, because, you know, everything's got to be virtual now, that he thinks it's perfectly fine for big, husky, burly males who couldn't cut it as males, who couldn't cut it in male sports, to simply be able to slap on a little lipstick and rouge and compete as girls against real girls. You know, females born with girl parts? In fact, in a line of questioning that has drawn both criticism and praise on social media, depending on what side of things you are on, the Republican Senator Rand Paul yesterday Asked Miguel Cordona, the Puerto Rican immigrant, about his views on allowing transgender boys to compete with natural born females and the disadvantages that come from having a six foot four, 230 pound male on the girls' wrestling team, wrestling against girls as small as five foot. And a 100 pounds. Before I go into this, I want to let you know that Miguel Cardona is the son of a set of parents who moved to Meriden, Connecticut from the US territory of Puerto Rico as a child. He didn't speak English and he lived in public housing. He said, I remember my first day of kindergarten
6: at the John Barry School. That day, I ended up in the nurse's office crying and I had to go home early. I never wanted to go back. Here I am 40 years later and I am having mixed emotions about leaving the place I love.
0: Last month, President-Elect Gropi Joe Biden announced Cardona, the commissioner of Connecticut's education system, as his pick to be the top education official in America. Less than two years ago, Cordona was an assistant superintendent in a whopping 8,000-student district. Now, we know the qualifications
6: of this man. Simply, he is of Hispanic descent, and Biden is trying to make the cabinet look like America.
0: Now, although the teachers' unions and all of those Democrats on the left love them some Cordona... There are people who have found fault with the way he ran things in the massive 8,000 school district that he ran. Gwen Samuel is the founder and president of the Connecticut Parents Union. She said she's been unable to pin down what Cardona truly thinks about key issues over the years and that he's demonstrated a reluctance to stake out clear positions and stand by them. In her view, that's a sign that he doesn't do well under pressure, although she says he's a nice guy. But she cautioned that his learning curve could be a learning catastrophe for many, many, many families across the nation. As he makes radical changes in accordance with Gropey Joe's handler's wishes. So what makes this man so very highly qualified that he can jump from an 8,000-person school district, a tiny, tiny school district, to leading the entire nation? Well, his qualification is simple. He has got a
6: Hispanic background, and that's going to check our box in the gropey Joe Biden. I need to make a diverse everything cabinet so that every one of the minorities will say, oh look, Joe Biden likes to support all the minorities.
0: Now back to my original point. Mr. Cardona was questioned at length by Senator Rand Paul. Sure, I'm sure the man knows how to clap erasers. I'm sure the man knows how to write on a chalkboard or use a whiteboard. I'm sure he's really friendly with the little children. But in the line of questioning that has drawn criticism and praise on social media, the Republican senator repeatedly asked Cardona if he thinks it's fair to have boys competing with girls, arguing it will completely destroy girls' athletics. Can't argue with that. Rand Paul specifically drew on findings published by the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights last spring, which stated... Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference's decision to allow transgender female athletes to compete in women's sports violates Title IX. Paul asks, if you're confirmed, would you support the Office of Civil Rights opinion? What that means, before I go to the answer, is the Office of Civil Rights says, Interscholastic Athletic Conference's decision to allow transgender females to compete in women's sports violated a Title IX ruling and that it's not fair and that massive dudes should not be competing with little girls. If you're confirmed, would you support the Office of Civil Rights opinion, Rand Paul asked. Cardona said while he understood that there's a lot of concerns, he believes it is, quote, the legal responsibility of schools to provide opportunities for students to participate in activities, and this includes students who are transgender. He didn't answer the question directly. He skirted around it using legalese. In response, Rand Paul said he found it bizarre that some people believe transgender students should be able to compete with their corresponding gender identity. Hell, even Mitt Romney echoed Paul's concerns about transgender women competing in women's sports. Mitt Romney said, I've got pictures of my eight granddaughters among some grandsons behind me. They shouldn't be competing with people who are physiologically in an entirely different category. Rand Paul said, Frankly, some boy who is six foot two competing against my niece who is five foot four doesn't sound very fair. I think most people think it's bizarre. Now the gropey Joe Biden administration's early actions on transgender rights have once again inflamed debate over whether transgender athletes should compete on sports teams that don't match the sex assigned to them at birth. Biden, of course, is seeking to expand protections for the LGBTQ community he signed an executive order, remember, on his very first day in office that mandated all students, including trannies, be able to learn without facing sex discrimination. And he revoked the Trump ban on transgenders in the military service. Biden said in the first order: Children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they'll be denied access to the restroom, locker room, or school sports. Last month, lawmakers in six states introduced bills aimed at limiting transgender athletes' participation in women's sports. According to the American Civil Liberties Union, lawmakers introduced 20 such bills in 2020, as the Trump administration argued that Title IX did not apply to transgender so-called females playing on real female sports teams. But it gets better, folks. All but one of the 235 members of the Democrat Caucus, along with two left-wing Republicans, co-sponsored a bill that they are calling the Equality Act. This bill will amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and force schools to allow transgenders to play on school sports teams that correspond to their chosen gender. Got a penis? Want to be a girl today? It's okay. We'll let you play on girls teams. Six foot four, 260 pounds. You want to wrestle against a five foot ten little girl that weighs a hundred pounds?
5: No problem.
0: There is a problem. It's a big problem. If you are a male, you were born with a penis. Your chromosome matches that of male. You should never be allowed to compete against girls. Now, most of these transgender men who want to be women never have the penisectomy done. They never have their Johnson removed. It's still there. It's just tucked and taped away. They couldn't cut it as male. They were male, but they sucked at being male these people are freaks. They are not normal. They are, by definition, queer, oddities, nonconformists, aberrations, aberrant human beings, broken. I'm going to go back to this article. Opponents of equality in athletics for transgender athletes have argued that girls who are transgender have an unfair physiological advantage over cisgender, you know, real girls, and as a result, they will dominate women's competitive sports. This, according to Sarah Warbelow, director of the far-left activist group Human Rights Campaign. She, oddly enough, is praising the bill. Warbelow claimed that it is not rooted in fact that biologically male athletes claiming to be female will outperform their female competitors. Not rooted in fact? Oh, come now. Are you really that sick? Are you really that ignorant? No. Are you really that stupid? Must be. Julia Beck, on the other hand, is the head of the Women's Liberation Front, and she testified against the bill during a House hearing She says that such a law will allow men to dominate female sports. And she's correct. Just because you put on a dress and some lipstick does not mean you are no longer the man you were born as. Transgender girls competing against natural-born girls is an especially thorny issue that has riled school districts across the nation. Let's talk about some of the freaks, shall we? In Texas, Mac Beggs, a student from Euless, Texas, is now claiming to be transitioning from female to male using doses of testosterone, but has been allowed to compete against girls in school wrestling. Perhaps unsurprisingly and to much criticism, Beggs has easily defeated every female competitor met on the mats. In another case, a student born as a male, assuming the identity of a girl, has beaten all female contestants in track and field competitions in Alaska. And in yet another incident, a female-born male claiming to be female has consistently beaten all female contestants in track events in a Connecticut high school district. Connecticut, you say? That's where our new education secretary nominee, ran the massive... Okay, it wasn't massive. It was 8,000 students. School district. And now they want to take this queer, strange, odd, aberrant position and apply it to every student in the nation. The only two Republicans to sign on to this transgender freak show is John Katko of New York. Duh and Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. On the other hand, one Democrat refused to sign onto the bill, and that Democrat is Dan Lipinski, a pro-life supporter. He did not join his party to co-sponsor the bill. And as I said at the outset of this segment, Rand Paul, the Republican from Kentucky, pressed Dr. Miguel Cardona to weigh in on the ongoing debate of whether trannies should compete in sports outside of their identity from birth. I'm telling you, folks, the Freaks and Geeks month of the Joe Biden first month in office is going swimmingly, don't you think? I can just see it now.
5: Welcome to the United States High School Athletics Olympic Tryouts here in sunny Meriden, Connecticut. Coming to you live from the Chastity, uh, uh Bono Memorial Stadium. I'm Chip McGee, along with my sidekick, the lovely, uh, uh, uh the talented transgender athlete, Bruce, or uh, um, Katie Lynn Jennerette.
1: Oh, hi, Chip. So happy to be here with you and all the young athletes. When I was a young boy back in high school, I just loved competing in the decathlon as a boy. But I can only imagine the records I would have shattered had I been allowed to compete as a female like I am today.
5: So, uh, Bruce, uh, uh, Katie Lynn, did you have the peckersectomy? The what? The peckersectomy, you know, where they removed Mr. Johnson from the tarmac?
1: I'll never tell, Chip.
5: I bet you will, Bruce, uh, am uh, Katie Lynn. I bet the entire Generette family is just so very proud.
1: They should be. They're filthy rich because of my metamorphosis.
5: Metamorphodite?
1: No, Chip, metamorphosis. You know, the change, the blossoming of me going from male, which I wasn't, to female, a beautiful young woman.
5: Well, you keep the change. Anyway, sports fans, we've got some very bizarre matchups today in the U.S. high school athletics competition Olympic tryouts. It's girls wrestling today, featuring a bracket system where the top female wrestler from each state competes based on their seating in the brackets.
1: So who's our first match, Chip?
5: First up today is a match between the top female wrestler from conservative Kansas, little Tiffany Mason. At five foot two inches tall, weighing in at 103 pounds, when she's not on the mat, she enjoys ballet and butterfly watching. Her challenger from right here in Meriden, Connecticut, a state that allows transgender men to compete with little girls, is six foot, three inch tall, 215 pound, Butch Keller. Butch decided last year after failing to make the varsity male wrestling team and failing to remain on the varsity football team as a linebacker, that it might just be easier for him or her to compete with the ladies. So he taped up Mr. Happy, slipped on a onesie and now he's the top female slash transgender wrestler in Connecticut. This should be a hell of a match
1: Yes, it should be. A good, clean, and fair match between two female athletes.
5: Well, sort of.
1: Chip, if you don't get on board with this, I'm going to drag you outside and beat your ass.
5: Come on, man. You don't have to be like that, Bruce. I know you're Katie Lynn.
1: It's man. Quite obviously, I'm a man. I am not a dude or a man. I am woman.
5: Well, okay, okay, okay. Look, back to the match. The two athletes are on the match... Oh, I think little Tiffany's hurt badly.
1: What a decisive win for the Connecticut high school female wrestler, Butch Keller.
5: I don't think Tiffany's breathing. Medic! Medic! Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program.
0: I do want to change gears for just a moment. Blue Lives Matter. Yesterday, one of my relatives made a smart-ass comment on social media wondering why Fox News Channel didn't stream live the funeral for Officer Sicknick of the Capitol Police who died during the riots that were perpetrated by BLM and Antifa and far-right wacko far-right Trump supporters. I don't know. You'll have to ask Fox. I don't have the answer for that. Perhaps there was something more pressing. But the smart out comment that was placed on social media basically said, Wonder why Fox News hasn't carried the live funeral procession and services for Officer Sicknick of the Capitol Police. I guess blue lives don't matter to Fox. That's a low blow, dude. Anyway, from the FBI, Special Agent Dan Alphen was 36 years old. He was born in New York. He joined the FBI in 2009. Agent Alphen's first assignment was to the FBI's Albany, New York office and he's been assigned to the Miami field office since 2017. He worked crimes against children violations for over six years. Special Agent Dan Alphen leaves behind one wife and one child. Special Agent Laura Schwarzenberger was 43 years old. She was born in Pueblo, Colorado. She joined the FBI in 2005. Her initial assignment was the FBI's Albuquerque, New Mexico office. She was reassigned to FBI Miami back in 2010. And she too has worked crimes against children cases now for over seven years. She is survived by one husband and two children. Of course, our prayers go out to the families of these two FBI agents slaughtered, as well as to the family of Mr. Sicknick. And as well, my question has been, how come there was no live coverage of the death of the young woman, the Air Force veteran, Ashley Babbitt, who was killed senselessly, murdered in cold blood by a Capitol Police officer while she stood unarmed in the nation's capital? Remember our new press secretary, Jen Psaki? You know, Psaki. Well, Jen Psaki is kind of clueless.
2: I asked whether the president has made a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force.
1: Wow, Space Force. It's it's the plane of today. Um,
2: It is an interesting question. Um, I am happy to check with our Space Force point of contact. I'm not sure who that is. I will find out and see if we have any update on that.
0: You don't even know there was a Space Force, Pisaki. It's a branch of our military that was established by President Donald Trump. Shouldn't you be up to speed on these things, Jen? Of course, you can always circle back to that. That's her go-to expression when she doesn't know or when she hasn't been told exactly what to say by gropey Joe Biden's handlers. Let me just circle back to that.
2: I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you. I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back. I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. I will have to. Circle back on that one. That's an excellent question. Oh, such an important question. Uh, we will circle back with you, and we'll, we'll circle back with you. It's an interesting question, but uh, we'll we'll circle back. I'm happy to circle back, but I'll have to circle back with you on it. It's a good question, but we'll circle back with you on this today. We will certainly circle back with you more directly.
0: <laughs> circle jerk. Uh, circle back. <laughs> Way to go, Jen. Way to be informed.
5: Hey there, Bob. How's all that white privilege treating you?
0: Not so good, Mike. How's your white
4: privilege treating you?
5: Well, my white privilege allowed me to work ever since I was a young boy in high school. Start out baling hay for a local farmer, work down at the ag supply store. Finally, after finishing high school, I learned to trade the trade of welding. I worked as a welder and a pipe fitter, and sometimes I was working 80 hours a week in the sun, and the rain, and the cold winters, busting my butt. I've worked offshore, onshore, I've worked on pipelines and big ships and bridges and tanks and everything. I've worked my butt off, man. I finally got up enough money to buy a new house and a decent pickup truck, and now my white privilege has gotten me laid off because some liberal puke decided my job is not essential. They canceled all the oil and gas jobs, the pipeline jobs, All the welding work on the wall to protect our southern border.
4: Wow, Mike, that's too bad. Too bad you're a white fella like me. Otherwise, you could get in on all sorts of government programs and handouts and giveaways. You know, things that others get away with. Hey, by the way, how many kids do you have? I only have one. Too damn bad, Mike. You need to get your old lady to spit out a few more, like six or seven. The way it works in non-white privileged land is the more kids you have, the more government benefits you can take. More food stamp money, more COVID relief money, more WIC, more social security money, free and reduced housing grants, utility assistance, health care, and a whole lot more. Really? Yep, but you see, you're a hard-working, tax-paying white guy like me, so you just have to do what John Kerry said. Now that you got laid off in the oil field, you can just simply run out tomorrow and get a job building electrical charging stations or batteries for electric cars. Instantly. Like that. Automatically. You're gonna magically have the skills and the knowledge to change careers automatically, because the Democrats need skilled folks like you to implement their programs so that others on welfare can continue to stay home and not work.
3: Gee,
5: Bob, sounds like my white privilege is going to make me continue to work for those who refuse to. That's
4: right. That's your white privilege hard at work.
0: Just remember the same people who told you during the Trump administration that we don't need guns and we don't need walls have managed to surround themselves with armed cops with guns and massive metal walls with razor wire around them. Some free republic we have become, right? A school principal in Oregon is facing outrage from moms and dads after saying that the U.S. education system is built on white supremacy. Who knew that parsing participles was a racist act? Parents in Sherwood, Oregon, southwest of Portland, of course, are currently upset because the principal of one of the schools claimed that education is built on a system of, quote, oppression and white supremacy, unquote. Sherwood High School Principal Melissa Baran made the comments at a school board meeting back in January. This, according to the Portland Tribune, who quoted Principal Baran as saying, quote, they are trying to really examine what is the system moving forward, unquote. According to a local KOIN Channel 6 News report, some parents in the district have taken to social media to voice their complaints. One parent slammed Principal Baran as a, quote, BLM Marxist, unquote. That post was, of course, deleted because Facebook doesn't like when you post the truth. Superintendent of that district, Heather Cordy, responded to the post in a letter to the school community on Friday. She says the principal shared, quote, true facts, unquote. And called it unacceptable that she was singled out and talked about in such a horrific manner. Away, away, away! Superintendent Cordy wrote: Not only was she sharing what we, as a leadership team, know to be accurate, but she did so vulnerably, as the only black leader in our district. None of the other white participants in the meeting who concurred with and supported the work discussed by Mrs. Baran were singled out in this post. And this fact speaks volumes about the personal motives behind the post, That same school district had to apologize recently after they post anti-racist resources online following the death of the criminal thug drug addict, George Floyd. One of their resources on its website encourages people to vote Democrat, They, of course, later scrubbed that from the site. They said that it was not properly vetted. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And this from Breitbart News Agency. President Joe Biden signed an executive order that seeks to revamp welfare-dependent legal immigration to the United States by eliminating certain regulations and by demanding a review of current enforcement practices. On Tuesday, Gropey Joe signed an order that revokes a crackdown on welfare-dependent legal immigration, which sought to protect American taxpayers from being forced to foot the bill for the federal benefits being provided to foreign nationals seeking green cards. Back in May of 2019, President Donald Trump signed an order to enforce Clinton-era laws from 1996. A delegated all financial responsibility to a family member or a business sponsor for any foreign national, you know, illegal immigrant, seeking a green card when they had previously used welfare programs. The order cut loose the taxpayers from having to foot the bill and pay the cost. In addition, the order ensured that the income of a sponsor was taken into consideration when any foreign national was seeking a green card and applying for various welfare benefits. What does that mean? That means if you're gonna sponsor your cousin Julio or Hector to come up here from Honduras or Guatemala or Colombia to be a United States potential green card holder, you would have to sponsor that relative. You would be responsible to make sure that that relative was clothed and fed and housed and got health care. You are sponsoring that person, I, A taxpayer should not be footing the bill for that. But the Julios and the Hectors and the Jimenezes and the Marias and the Placentas and all the others, they came here with sponsors. And now Biden wants to let those sponsors off the hook. He wants regular people like you and me, hardworking, taxpaying Americans, to pay the way for all of these illegal immigrants that come in. And the hell with the sponsors. Why should they foot the bill when you and I Mr. and Mrs. Citizen, can just simply fork over more of our tax dollars. It's not bad enough that we tax the hell out of Americans and send billions of dollars a year to foreign countries in aid, and we as a nation are $29 trillion in debt. Doesn't matter to Gropy Joe. Doesn't matter to those pulling Gropy Joe's strings either. Biden has now revoked those rules in an effort to revamp welfare-dependent illegal immigration and leave taxpayers on the hook for covering all of the costs. And these costs, according to federal officials, amount to billions of dollars every year. But wait, there's more. Biden's order also requests multiple federal agencies to, quote, review all agency actions related to the implementation of what is known as the public charge rule. The rule implemented by Donald Trump last year made it less likely that foreign nationals could secure green cards to permanently stay in the U.S. if they had previously taken welfare, including any cash benefits for income maintenance, supplemental security income or SSI, temporary assistance to needy families, and of course food stamps. The order requires this review should consider and evaluate the current effects of these agency actions and the implications of their continued implementation. Identify appropriate agency actions, if any, to address concerns about the current public charge policies' effect on the integrity of the nation's immigration system and public health. Biden's order asks federal agencies to recommend steps that relevant agencies should take to clearly communicate current public charge policies and proposed changes if any to reduce fear and confusion among impacted communities now those impacted communities don't include your community or my community oh no 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 you're white privileged they're talking about the latino community The Federation for American Immigration Reform President, Dan Stein, said Biden is effectively tearing down a cornerstone of U.S. immigration policy that has been in place since 1882. As a part of his America First, as he's calling it, but it's really America Last agenda, Gropey Joe is gearing up to reverse existing policies that protect American taxpayers. Reverse existing policies that protect American taxpayers, reverse existing policies that protect American taxpayers, and doing so at a time when a raging pandemic is forcing many Americans to rely on social safety nets that can barely keep up with the demands being placed on them by legal United States citizens. When Donald Trump first issued the public charge rule back in 2019, polls found that the policy was overwhelmingly popular with Americans. Six in ten Americans said they supported ending welfare-dependent immigration. And ironically, that number included 56% of Hispanics and 71% of Blafrican Americans. For years, big business lobby and corporate interest had denounced the public charge rule because those big businesses said they need welfare dependent immigrants in order to grow the economy and create more consumers for their products and of course to secure a low-wage u.s workforce biden's seeking to revoke the public charge rule would amount to a billion dollar tax hike for you hard-working taxpayers back in 2017 the national academies of science noted that state and local taxpayers are billed about $1,600 every year per immigrant to pay for their welfare and other social programs. And that study also revealed that immigrant households consume 33% more cash welfare than American citizen households. A similar Center for Immigration Studies study found that 63% of non-citizen immigrant households use at least one form of public welfare, while only 35% of native-born American households receive any welfare. This means non-citizen, illegal immigrant households use nearly twice as much welfare as Native Americans Each and every year, boys and girls, the U.S. rewards about 1.2 million foreign nationals with green cards so that they can permanently resettle in our nation, and another 1.4 million foreign nationals secure various temporary visas, and many never leave when those visas expire. They just move, and they don't tell anybody. These mass Immigration levels are in addition to the thousands and thousands of illegal aliens that pour into our nation over the southern border each and every year. And now your new president, gropey Joe Biden, is going to make it so that it's easier for those to remain on or even to get on welfare, social security, supplemental income, WIC, food stamps, housing assistance and other government handout programs and guess what there is not a damn thing you can do about it man because we the sheeple supposedly voted this clown into office steve z and the truth hurts program Remember earlier in the program this week, I mentioned the Keystone XL Energy Pipeline from Canada through the United States was abruptly halted by sleepy, creepy, touchy, feely, mopey, dopey, little girl gropey, Beijing barisma Joe Biden? The same president who has members of his family seated on boards of national oil and gas companies in other countries to personally enrich themselves is now opposing the Keystone Energy Pipeline in the United States. Most Democrats are supporting this because it's part of their Green New Deal style initiative that they want Gropey Joe to adopt. Senator John Tester is a Democrat from Montana, one of the states that will benefit greatly from having the Keystone Pipeline construction continue in his state, and the state would realize certain royalties from having oil passing through that state, certain tax royalties for the very poor state of Montana. After all, all 9 or 10 or 11 of Montana's residents stand to benefit greatly from any of these Keystone XL pipeline-related activities. On CNN, Senator Tester was questioned because he is going against Gropy Joe Biden's canceling of the Keystone XL Energy Pipeline project. That's for good reason. It's for his constituents. Now, although this clown votes with the majority of the wacko Democrat proposals 99% of the time, this time he's kind of against it. Take a listen to this CNN interview.
2: Do you believe it was finally um, a mistake for the Biden administration to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline on day one in office, given the impact supporters say on 11,000 American jobs? Do you think it was a mistake? I know you think it was a mistake to do it in general. But I, I wonder about right now in this moment, given this economy on its knees.
6: Well, look, I, I've been a supporter of the Keystone Pipeline, and there's been two caveats, and they've been basic caveats. You, you do it to the safest standards, and you respect uh, private property rights. I think the Keystone Pipeline folks could have done a better job getting the Fort Peck tribe on board, and they need to continue working to do that. But in the end, I think that's it's a good project. Uh, I believe in climate change, uh, but I also think that this one pipeline isn't going to turn it around Uh, isn't going to turn our climate around and it's not going to make it in markedly worse situations. But so in the end, yeah, I supported the Keystone Pipeline.
0: Okay, so he supports the Keystone Pipeline and then he goes on to talk about other programs that he's supporting in the Biden administration. He's got to kiss that ass a little bit because otherwise the Democrats will turn on him and start to eat him like a wounded animal in a pack and the pack is hungry. Yes, the news cycle is extremely, extremely slow when CNN actually interviews a Democrat who is against something the new administration is offering or proposing. The Keystone XL pipeline project is a very vital and key component in keeping America on top of the energy game. And a pipeline is far, far safer because It's not running on an interstate highway or on a railroad track. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Oil flows 24-7 through the pipeline from Canada's oil shale sands down to the refineries in South USA, where it's turned into petroleum products, plastics, gasoline, oil. Most of what we have in our nation is either made from an oil product or from wood. The oil is in the ground, it needs to be used. Sitting under the ground, it's doing no one any good whatsoever. Our entire country's infrastructure is built around and based on oil, gasoline, diesel, and natural gas operations. Trucking that oil from Canada down to Texas is far, far more dangerous than letting it go through a pipeline. Putting all that oil on tanker cars on the railroad tracks is far, far more dangerous than letting it run freely through a pipeline. People stand to lose lots and lots of money, though, and those people donate to Democrat causes. Warren Buffett is just one of them. Oh, yes, I know. You saw it on Facebook. And then you saw the fact-checkers come back and say, Warren Buffett did not donate to Joe Biden's campaign. Well, I'd love to see the financial reports on that. We know he definitely sent campaign money to Democrat causes. That is fact, and that is in his annual report. And that's fine. That's his business. You can vote for whomever you want to vote for. But when the follow the money folks follow the money, it is far, far more economical and far safer for that oil to leave Canada and go down a giant pipeline with its myriad safety systems, shutoffs, monitoring systems, check valves, and emergency stopping procedures leak prevention, leak detection, and all of the other safety requirements put into place by the Department of Energy and other federal agencies. Then to run those things down the road, 18 wheelers filled with this crude oil with sleepy truck drivers falling asleep at the wheel. Crossing railroad tracks where other tanker cars filled with oil collide with those trucks and create death, destruction, and monumental pollution along the nation's highways and railroad tracks. No, my friends, one pipeline, properly monitored, is cheaper, more efficient, and much, much safer But, of course, the railroad unions and the truckers unions out there, as well as the owners of railroads and truck lines, stand to lose money. Follow the money, my friends. That's going to wrap up this morning's edition of the Truth Hurts program for your Thursday, February 4th, 2021. I'm Steve Z. Go out there and make it a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. If you don't like what you hear, just stop listening. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. If our opinion or content offends you, we apologize, but we retract nothing. We do not own the rights to any pre-recorded audio presented during this episode. Those rights remain the intellectual property of the originators. This program is copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts Network. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was produced in cooperation with Studio 63 and Steve Knight Productions. We'll see you next time.